Oh man, I just love it out here on this uh, fishing boat. Hey buddy boy, throw me that anchor so we can uh, put the boat right here. Uh, this is going to be a good spot for us to do some fishing. Yeehaw! Hey, speaking of anchors, by the way, if you guys want to make an amazing podcast, all you got to do is download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yeehaw! Hey, buddy, give me a beer so I can drink this. With a, ho, 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 this is some good stuff here. Yeehaw! Hey, Brent. Hey, Tori. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? Hey, doing great. Well, I want to welcome everybody to our official second episode of Pitching Popcorn. Woo! We love what we do here, don't we, Tori? Yeah, we do. And we have a very special episode for all of our listeners out there. This episode has good and evil, zeros to heroes, special missions and villains, poison and spice, patience, practice, mischief, revenge, and embracing your flaws. You guessed it. We're talking about none other than the top five movies for 2021. I'm Brent and my co-host, the one that you're all really here for, who is always so victorious in lifestyles. Here she is, better known as Don't Call Her Vicky on Instagram. It's Tori with a Y. How's your day going so far, Tori? <laughs> uh, that is a beautiful and generous introduction. Thank you, Brent. Um, my day's going great. You know, um, I pitched a lot of life insurance for about uh, nine hours today, and uh, <laughs> and that was fun. But I've, I've been thinking about what we're going to talk about today, too. So I'm excited to, to dive into these movies. Um, and uh, wh- what are we discussing today? What's the topic? Well, real quick, before we do that. I want to thank all of our listeners in the United States, the United Kingdom, India, the Philippines, Belgium, Algeria, Guatemala, Bangladesh, Brazil, Australia, and Fiji. And we also want to thank all of our listeners on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Player FM, and CastBox. And now... I have a very special request for everyone listening. If you like pitching popcorn, we only ask that you share this delicious popcorn with your friends and family. We want you to put some butter on it, put some caramel on it, heck, even put some chocolate on it. We don't care. Just share this wonderful pitching popcorn podcast with all of those you love so dear. And Tori, did you know that our primary audience is between the ages of 28 and 59? I did not know that. Yeah. And we also have a 70% male audience and a 30% female audience. And folks, listen. Yeah. Where are all the ladies at? I know. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) And so we want your suggestions for movies that you want to hear about. And keep in mind that you guys and gals can help us grow this popcorn podcast to the size of the popcorn in the 1985 American science fiction comedy film, Real Genius. (laughs) Anyone remember that laser that popped all of the popcorn in Jerry's house? You can find this amazing video on YouTube right now. And the popcorn in Jerry's house is so monster sized that it literally busts open the front door. And this film is a true Val Kilmer classic. Now, I have to say, I grew up, on 80s movies 
And Tori was born in the late 80s, right? right? And and I told her yesterday, and you can verify this, I said that I had about 13 years on you. And you said that that was great for the podcast. Well, folks, I, I just did. have to take her word for it. Okay? <laughs> and so taking it back to the real star of the show, Tori, would you mind introducing our fans to the number five movie of 2021? Sure. So um, we're going through the top five movies here of 2021 so far. Um, and, uh, you know, I, we, we did talk about this, Brent, that uh, this list, it, that this list that we put together, um, it's from a variety of sources. It's sort of a we both read through a bunch of lists of best movies of the year. We had a little bit of spin on our input and preferences on it as well. Um, so um, I think there you may be interested surprised by some of the the contenders on here or even the order so i'm excited to dive into that as we go on i'm also super hype about what number one is um and, and telling you the story about that but movie number five on our top five list is shang chi and the legend of the ten rings um so this is a part of the marvel universe um so one of their latest movies um that came out this year and i like how right from the get-go they're like this is one of many Shang-Chi movies. It's not just called Shang-Chi. This is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, so that being said, it, re it really still is an origin story, though. Um, and I actually really love the unique way that they, that they introduce this character of Shang-Chi um, and, you know, help us learn who he is. I feel like with a lot of super, superhero movies, you sort of meet the character before they become the superhero and then you kind of watch that transition and watch them get solidified so like think about peter parker you meet him he's just this kind of dorky high schooler we watch him get bit by the spider and then we see him become spider-man or even uh, a very different story but with with black panther we see t'challa um go through all these obstacles um to eventually prove that he is the rightful black panther and he sort of becomes that person but uh, with Shang-Chi, the storyline is completely different. It's more of a discovery of who he already is instead of watching him become that superhero. So throughout the film, we're sort of pulling back this disguise that he's created um, to, reveal the, to reveal the superhero that he already is. And so I love this movie because when we meet our hero, his name's Shang-Chi, um, he's like kind of a deadbeat. He's a 20-something, he's working as a valet, he just spends all of his free time and money with his best friend and he lives in this garage apartment. So you think there's not that much to him, but no, there's so much more to him. Um, it turns out that he has this, um, this uh, crazy powerful heritage. His dad um, has the 10 rings, um, which give him a lot of power. They've given him godlike powers for thousands of years. And then his mom is the guardian of these mythical people that exist in a separate dimension. <laughs> so his parents are both super powerful and that makes him super powerful. Um, plus he's also had years of martial arts training, which we learn as the story goes on. Um, however, we also learned that his dad didn't always use his powers for good, which resulted in his mom dying and their family falling apart. And so without giving out too much more of the plot, when we meet Shang-Chi, his dad is up to his old tricks and Shang-Chi has to dust off all of his old abilities um, and eventually save his mom's people. And along the way, he gets to reconnect with who he really is. Um, so 
yeah, we definitely thought it was uh, a, a fantastic movie. And I think a testament to that even is just how it stands out as a Marvel movie. Um, Marvel has 26 movies that have come out <laughs> so far. Um, so even within the Marvel universe to be uh, notable and recognizable, I think is a big deal. Um, with Shang-Chi, there's two things that, um, um, that, I've, that I found really compelling. One, um, the fighting is amazing. Uh, lots of martial arts are on display throughout. It's a big part of the story. Um, and so even for someone like me that's not well-versed or not an expert, um, I thought it was awesome to watch and um, just like so visually uh, compelling to see. And then two, like... It's one of it's one of the funniest Marvel movies, I think, in my opinion. Um, uh, Aquafina is kind of his uh, Shang Chi's right hand man and his best friend, um, and she like she's a professional comedian and rapper, and she's uh, like she's her full self in this role. Um, she has, you know, she provides comic relief throughout the entire movie, um, and even like it's just so silly. But this the this one joke that she has where she's making fun of Shang Chi for going undercover and hiding with the name Sean, and she's just ripping on him and ragging on him and giving him a hard time for that. And it's just so, it's just so ridiculous, but so like so funny and like a joke that your friend your friend would tell you. So, um, so I'm I'm a big fan of this of this film. It really is an amazing film, and <clears throat> I have to thank you for recommending that I watch it because when I first heard about this film, um, I, I wasn't really, I wasn't really into it. You know, it, it just wasn't my, my thing. And um, I remember um, my mom was telling me, uh, you know, you've got to see it. This is an amazing movie. And I don't know. I, I just kind of, from the previews, it didn't really, um, it, it didn't really seem like it was going to be my kind of movie. But um, but after, you know, uh, being one of those kids that doesn't listen to their mom, you know, <laughs> uh, I, you know, once I got your recommendation to to check it out, I actually had some time uh, just the other day to to watch it, uh, watch part of it on my lunch break and then the rest of it that evening. And then I think I finished uh, the other part of it last night. So this is uh, this is fresh on my mind. And uh, one of the great things that I found about this particular movie is that um, the symbols in the Ten Rings logo are actually Chinese characters that represent authority, power, strong, extraordinary, outstanding, influential, grand, mighty, strength, and dominant. And the movie made $94 million in the box office blowing away the box office records for the four-day Labor Day weekend. And this actually beat Halloween's 2007 $30 million record. And the film, I found out that it was actually shot under the working title of Steamboat. Mm. And as you were saying, um, Aquafina, uh, also known as Nora Lone, uh, she, like you said, she's an American actress and rapper. And I actually, I loved her in Ocean's 8. And so she yeah. is like the, she's what adds the great comedy to this film. And I found out that at age 16, she adopted the stage name Aquafina, which is a play on the word awkward, which is what she felt best described her. And so I, I, I'm so glad that you recommended this movie um, it, and that it slid into our top five, because I know we were going back and forth for a little while about what we thought our top five movies were going to be. 
And uh, so this is fresh off the press for everybody. So yeah, get out there and check this movie out if you haven't seen it. And uh, well, um, now, go Brent, ahead. Have you have you listened to any of Aquafina's raps? I actually haven't. Oh, <laughs> are you gonna will, are you gonna rap for us? I'm not gonna rap, but I am gonna recommend that you check out a couple of her albums. Um, okay. they're great. They're great driving tunes. Um, I listen <laughs> ever since I saw Shang Chi. I've been listening to a lot of her albums, and she's uh she's got uh, she's got a lot of good stuff. She's also, I mean, I'm talking about her. She's she's like my age. She's like exactly my age. So I feel like she um oh. the one that makes me feel unsuccessful. <laughs> but, oh, okay. uh, but uh. Um, but you know, she has a, like her last rap, she has this, uh, her last album, she has a song about ghosting, which is really funny. Um, really? so yeah, it's, it's good stuff. It's, it's a uh, millennial type stuff. Oh, um, wow. but I do, I do feel like in Shang-Chi, she doesn't, she, she doesn't really get her, uh, her moment because her, so she and her character in Shang-Chi, they're, they're best buddies and her family has always given them a hard time about like, when are you guys just going to date? you know and then uh-huh. and then you're waiting like for the end like when are they gonna kiss and then <laughs> and they ne- this is a spoiler alert they never do <laughs> and it, like, it was i was like when is my when is my girl gonna get her due but so maybe maybe in the next one. Oh man maybe I- in the legend of the 11 rings but, oh i you know. sure hope so you know <laughs> gotta happen for sure and you know there's a there's a special easter egg at the end of this movie, did you did you wait until the very end to see the special Easter egg? I don't know. I don't remember if I did. What is related the Easter egg? to related to? Well, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to give it away if you didn't. If you don't know what I'm referring to. No, don't give it away. Okay. Well, you mentioned that this uh, this is a Marvel movie, right? Mm-hmm. And so something special happened at the very end that has a lot to do with Marvel. Did you see it? <laughs> you didn't stay afterwards? You know, sometimes if you stay after the movie, there's something special waiting for you, right? Yeah, I remember I'm too, the Easter egg in Eternals was too good. I can't think about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully this will get everybody out there to go check it out because uh, I was really quite surprised at the very end uh, to see something that I thought was a great little Easter egg. Um, related to Marvel. Well, moving right along, um, Tori, what would you say would be our number four pick? All right. Number four is No Time to Die, um, which is um, Daniel Craig's last James Bond film. Um, so if you know me at all, um, you will know, learn quickly that I'm uh, very cheap. And uh, I watched this movie earlier this week. I spent the $20 to watch it on Amazon Prime. And I was kind of grumpy about it, <laughs> I, um, but quickly, as soon as the movie started, I was like, "Oh, this is this is worth twenty dollars um, to see." So the the o- very oversimplified plot here of the movie is that James Bond he's trying to retire, he's trying to move on with his life and with his girlfriend who we met in um, in the movie Spectre, um, and he's even given up his 007 title. Um, we do get to meet his replacement in this film, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, but you guessed it. There's some complications and he gets sucked back into the spy life, uh, for this film. The world needs to be saved and he's the only one he can do it, who can do it. Um, but coincidentally, the villain in this movie, 
he's uh, he's trying to conquer the world uh, with a bioweapon, but he also has a personal vendetta against uh, James Bond's girlfriend. So we get to see this fight. In this fight, the common culmination of all of James Bond's experiences, all of his skills, uh, all of his relational struggles, they're all put on display and he just gives everything he has to try and beat this bad guy to save his girl and get out alive. And it's just like, it's, I feel like they really like gave Daniel Craig his due as James Bond in this movie. Um, I, you know, I love Daniel Craig um, just across the board. I think he's a great actor, but um, he really just gets to go out with a bang um, and he gets to take the the character of James Bond um, to places that we've never seen before, which is just amazing. It really is, um, you know, and and uh, I I, um, I think I you know this was one of my favorites, and I I knew that you hadn't seen it, and so I'm so glad that you spent the twenty dollars to see it because <laughs> yeah. I was in the same boat with um, the uh, the the Shang the Shang-Chi. I, I actually, uh, if you, you actually told me that I was going to, if I had Disney plus, I could find it on there because otherwise I've only got one theater where I live. And I was like, Oh man, how am I going to see this one? You know? So, um, but, uh, I found some interesting facts about Daniel Craig. Uh, one of the cool things I found is that he actually made an uncredited cameo in star Wars episode seven, the force awakens in 2015. He was actually one of the stormtroopers whom Ray performs a Jedi mind trick one. And oh, cool. one of the other, yeah. And one of the other cool things that I found out is that after filming Casino Royale in 2006 and before production for Quantum of Solace uh, in 2008 began, Daniel Craig actually had his body insured for $9.5 million. Oh, insurance. I love a good yeah. insurance story. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> And, and he was actually the second English actor to play James Bond in the film series. The first was Roger Moore, who was the third Bond. And then um, when it was confirmed that uh, Daniel Craig would play Bond again in 2019, he, he officially became the longest serving Bond. Mm. And he was actually, believe it or not, he was uh, Marvel Studios' first choice for the role of Thor before Chris Hemsworth was cast. And at five foot ten, he is actually the shortest man to play James Bond as mm. well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting stuff there, for yeah. sure. I think so. There's a couple items as well in this movie where I feel like they sort of and I don't know if it was just they're ready for the character to take on something new. I kind of feel like they're maybe honoring Daniel Craig a little bit, but um so a couple couple things that stood out in this movie and, and uh, the way the story is presented. Um, so you see James Bond um, in a in a in vulner in a vulnerable position, um, both physically and emotionally, throughout the film in ways that have has never been done before in a James Bond film. Um, so that was cool, very cool to see. Um, but it didn't feel it didn't feel unnatural. It felt it almost felt like. I feel like as an audience member, it was it was time to be able to see him in, in those ways of, of uh, you know, being physically and emotionally vulnerable. Um, there's also another unique thing about this movie is that um, with James Bond films, they kind of stand alone. Like you, you're never really sure where they are in the timeline and it doesn't really matter where you are in the timeline. They just kind of exist as episodes. 
Um, and they don't really reference each other. Like the stories uh, between them, for the most part, they don't really reference each other. So you don't know the, the chronology of it. But with this one, it like very firmly establishes where it is in the timeline. And, and it references movies, previous James Bond movies more than more than any other. So that was very unique as well. Um, it also broke a record for being the longest James Bond movie <laughs> by 15 minutes. Oh, wow. Um, so it's two hours and 45 minutes, um, which is uh, longer than, yeah, the, definitely the longest ever. Um, I didn't feel like it was that long. I was like, I'll take some more of this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will say um, it felt like when I was watching it and I read a little bit online, of there's a lot of criticism of the villain not being great. And I think that's fair. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that it was necessarily a super compelling um, storyline of who he was or how he got there or what he was trying to do. But there's just so many other good things happening in the movie that it, I was okay with it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Now that I think about that, there's really, it's, uh, uh, there really isn't much to the character. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. Because a lot of the villains in the past had these, uh, you know, it might be, um, they might be, have, they might have this uh, pet cat that they're petting all the time, you know, <laughs> or, uh, they, they really uh, make a point to, uh, uh, to point at these special characteristics and things about these villains. But you're right. Now that you say that, um, I can, I can definitely see what you're referring to there. Mm. That makes sense completely. So, and, uh, with mm -hmm. uh, Daniel Craig stepping down, though, do you have any ideas about who the next James Bond is going to be? Well, <clears throat> you know, it looks like it could be pretty open. Um, it, uh, I've seen some things um, floating around on who might be the next James Bond. I don't think the final decision has been made, but it looks like that there could be, uh, they've got the door wide open for a lot of different options, mm. you know? Uh, who do you want do you, it to be? Uh, you know? Um, boy, that's a, that's a good, that's a good question there. Um, who do I want the next James Bond to be? Hmm. Let's see here. I haven't really even thought about that yet. <laughs> I think, you know, I think it would be great if, if it was a woman, really, you know, I think that would be, I mean, you've got, you've got uh, 007, uh, you know, you've got a woman playing 007 in the movie. Why not? Why not make another movie about her? I mean, you know, um, you've uh, you've got so many options there. But um, I think that uh, the way that this particular movie was done, it really left it open to where they can just build on that series. And yeah. this is something that goes goes so far back. I remember um, my uh, my uncle. Um, he, he, uh, was a big collector of, uh, James Bond and, uh, 007 and things like that. And I've actually got, um, a, uh, it's an old, um, oh, I don't even know how old this is, but it was when my uncle was a kid. Um, it's, it's got a, it's a little James Bond car. It's got the bulletproof, um, thing mm. on the back of the car. It's got the couple of buttons you push on it. It's got guns and it's got, a little ejector seat and it ejects a little uh person out <laughs> and uh so um cool. and i remember uh playing um golden eye on nintendo 64 um 
man, that was that was back in my college years. I would stay up all night playing Goldeneye, and um, we had the proximity mines and the rocket launchers and the uh, grenade launchers and the golden gun, and you could be all different kinds of characters. You could be uh, you know, I, I always wanted to be James Bond, but <laughs> my second choice, I think, was you could be you could be Jaws or you could be uh, there was quite a few Bond girls on there as well that you could be. So um, just a lot of fun. I, I still have the Nintendo 64. I've kind of shown my daughters uh, how to play it. You know, they they don't like it when I shoot them, especially my youngest daughter. She's uh, <laughs> she's only eight. She doesn't she she just wants us to like she wants to be the girl and have me be Bond. And we walk around just looking around the, uh, the different uh, uh, scenarios there. And she always gets mad at me when I, uh, if I try to shoot her in the game. So, uh, but lots of great memories from uh, James Bond and, and mm. uh, GoldenEye for sure. Did you ever play any video games growing up? Uh, yeah, we played Mario Kart and um, Sonic. And... Okay. Yeah, we played the old, the original Mario a lot um, on, what was it? I think, I don't remember the names of uh, these. Nintendo. Games. My brothers were both a lot more into video games than me. Yeah. Um, well, that was one of my favorites was the Nintendo 64. It was just, we had, uh, my friend had a big screen TV and, and we would have four of us guys there uh, and uh, be playing multiplayers all night long. And I remember uh, his, his dad his dad would come down in the morning. He was heading to work and he would just look at us and think we were the craziest kids in the world to be up all night playing video games. But uh, man, it brings back great memories. But um, well, moving right along here, um, what's our next film on the list? The next film is Dune. And Dune, the plot of Dune is fairly complicated, but I'm going to do my best to break it down here. <laughs> so this is an epic science fiction film. And um, so the premise is that Oscar Isaac, his character's name is Duke Leto. He's assigned by the emperor to take over leadership of a planet named Arrakis. And Arrakis is a harsh desert planet that's pretty inhospitable, but it's full of this resource. It's called spice. And it's kind of like this golden sand. It, it very, it's very much like sand. It kind of blows in the wind and floats around. Floats around. You go, you can go and harvest it. And everyone in, in the in the universe wants spice because it has the power to give you vitality and heightened consciousness. So it's a very valuable commodity. And the planet planet also happens to be full of native people, uh, as the story goes, and they're called Fremen. Um, and the Empire kind of sees these people as an inconvenience on the planet. Um, but the Duke, um, Oscar Isaac, Duke Leto, he has plans to form an alliance with them to help harvest the spice and work together. Um, this whole time, the Duke is also training his son, played by Timothy Chalamet. Uh, his character's name is Paul, to someday, someday, far in the future, take his place. Paul has supernatural powers that he inherited from his mom, and he can see visions of the future, um, and he can control other people with his voice. Um, and all, while all this is happening, um, the Fremen, the native people, they have rumors of a messiah type figure coming to save them. And so when Paul shows up on their planet, a lot of people think that it's him, that he fits this description. So all this is happening um, in the background. And um, so it's a huge honor that the emperor has asked the duke to come and take over leadership of this planet Arrakis, except, oh my goodness, it's a trap. 
Um, the emperor is actually threatened by the duke's power, and he wants the current leadership of Arrakis, the House of Harkonnen, to attack him once they settle in and basically just eliminate the duke and all of his people. This plan gets partially put into motion, so the duke is killed, uh, but then uh, Paul, played by Timothy Chalamet, he escapes with his mom, and they're traveling across the desert um, in the harsh conditions, looking to find the Fremen, the native people, and pursue the Duke's vision of forming an alliance. Um, this is just part one, and the story ends when Paul and his mom meet up with a group of Fremen in the desert, and after a little bit of a conflict, uh, end up joining their party. Um, so I will say this movie ends quite abruptly um, like you're kind of like in the middle of the plot moving forward and it just ends um so I literally I was literally in the theater like what are we done <laughs> um and that that is my biggest issue with it um part two um is coming out in January of 2023 um and you know honestly I was kind of bummed that I you know I I get that there's a lot going on this is a very complicated story um but just the I wish it was just a standalone movie. I feel like there are too many trilogies and, and, and things like that. Um, so I was a little disappointed uh, by that. Um, and also just the way it cuts off um, is very abrupt. But up until then, um, it's, a, it's a super compelling story. I was, very, I was very engaged. It's a little bit hard to follow, but I also kind of think that that gives you, like it kind of gives you credit as an audience member, like to keep up with what's happening and be engaged and be questioning um, you know, all the different people and their motives um, and what they're representing and what they're going after. Um, and I just, I mean, if you can see this movie in the theater, you should, because it's its very, very, very visually stunning as well. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you, you just, this is really one of those films that you have to see in the theater. Seeing it at home is just not going to do it justice because there's so many wide shots and they really do these amazing things with depth there um, that just <clears throat> blow you away. And so it's, um, it's really, you know, with, with what we've been experiencing over this past, um, you know, almost two years now uh, where we, we've uh, just kind of had our, our whole lives interrupted and, and not being able to, uh, to see films the way that we used to, it's really, it's really changed the the world that we live in. And, and this is, um, this is really, like you said, this is just something that you have to see in that widescreen theater mm -hmm. um, to really appreciate what's going on there. And I agree with you. Um, this is, um, you know, they really did uh, end it abruptly and um, everybody's going to be looking forward to January, 2023 to see uh, the second one. Yeah. And um well, now, who is who would you say is one of your favorite characters in the film? Um, there's this man. I think a, I think her name is Rebecca Ferguson, the actress that plays uh, Paul's mom. Mm -hmm. um, she's kind of she's kind of like um, she's very spiritual. So like that's kind of how he gets his supernatural powers. Is she's kind of like from this line of like very I, I mean I want to say witches I don't know if that's fair to say but um but they're like they're kind of engaged in like magic and the supernatural um mm -hmm. and they're kind of mysterious um but I I like her character a lot she's kind of she's kind of um 
uh, she, you know, she's raising him and she's trying to teach him like all of her, all of her ways and give him her power. Um, and so I, I like her, but I especially like the two of them together because um, mm-hmm. she, um, so Jessica, our character's name is Jessica. So Jessica and Paul go on this adventure this forced adventure, I guess, um, at like the latter third of the movie where they're alone in the desert together. And they're kind of like, they're depending on each other because they, they need each other, but they're also kind of mad at each other. He's mad at her for, um, you know, kind of, you know, making him the way that he is. And, um, and, and so I, I feel like there's a really cool uh, dynamic between the two of them. I like them both as characters on their own, but then, um, this dynamic that exists between the two of them when they're, they're kind of in a jam um, at the end um, is I think really cool to see. Mm-hmm. What about, is there, what, is there a character that you wish you could have seen more of? Yeah. Um, there is a character. Um, do you know, uh, uh, she, I don't even know if she has a name in the film, but um, played by Zendaya. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she is um, on a lot of advertising and promotional stuff for this film. Right. <laughs> she's in the, and there are a lot of shots of the film because Paul has a lot of visions of her. So I, I think that means she's going to be in part two a lot. Um, but so Zendaya plays one of the Fremen, the native peoples. And um, I think she has about three lines in the entire movie and they all come right at the end. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. <clears throat> You know she's she's one of uh, she's one of my favorite actresses. Uh, oh the yeah. Girls, yeah, the girls really uh, really love uh, her in in TV shows and movies. Um, she's just really she's got an amazing talent, and it just blows me away to think about some of the um, uh, like uh, Casey Undercover. Have you ever seen that TV show? Yes, I have. Oh man, uh, there's. <laughs> I just have these memories of the kids watching um, that particular show, and and uh, she's just got this amazing ability to uh, play this 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 old man character that says "Heyo," <laughs> and it just it drives me nuts every time the kids are watching it. But it's just so funny. And yeah. um, there's another movie that that she's in that just really she blew me away, um, and. Um, I bet I bet you can think of what I'm referring to. I think we talked about it. Um, let's see. Was that yesterday? Uh, Spider Man? No, not not Spider Man. Um, it's uh, let's see. Let me see. If I can't believe I'm going blank here. I will say uh, that Zend- both of the Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet are in like every movie that comes out i wouldn't be mm-hmm. surprised if timothy chalamet is the next james bond honestly oh <laughs> the yeah rate he, the rate he's going <laughs> let me see if i can find what i'm referring to here just a second okay so the one that she really blows me away in yeah okay so casey undercover the greatest showman that's what she really blew, blew me away oh yeah yeah and that's one that that i love to watch with the kids as well and I mean, my, my youngest daughter can watch that one over and over and over. And, and she's a, she's a singer, by the way, my youngest. Uh, and yeah, she actually gets me out and does karaoke. Uh, <laughs> Your yeah. Eight-year-old? Oh yeah. My eight year old, man. She is singing all the time. 
That's and awesome. loves to loves to go out and do karaoke. We've got about four different places that we'll go do karaoke where we live. And there's like a, a pizza themed restaurant and a burger themed restaurant and kind of a seafood themed restaurant. And uh, so she is, she is, I think she's going to be a superstar when she grows up. And I have another daughter that's um, 14 and believe it or not, she's a singer as well. And, mm -hmm. and she actually auditioned for America's Got Talent in, cool. in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. This was back in 2016 and she um, auditioned twice. She's not on the show, but um but she, every once in a while, she'll she kind of she kind of comes and goes with it. You know, sometimes she'll be into singing and then sometimes she's not. But man, when she is when yeah. she's singing, she is so on point and it's just absolutely amazing. But uh, these are these are fun movies, you know, these uh, these actors and actresses and just to think where they've come from and and the. Uh, the shows that they've done in their careers and something to share the family with. I mean, that's why I love this, um, this podcast, you know, it's uh, these, the, the movies that we see, um, you know, our first episode was, was Christmas favorites. And this one is top movies of, of this year. And we've already got plans for the next uh, <laughs> episodes coming up and, yeah. We just want to thank all of our listeners out there because we couldn't do it without you guys and gals. And uh, it's just, it's so much fun for us to to be able to bring these things to you. And we've got some great things coming up in the weeks to come, but we also need some recommendations as well. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we definitely want to appeal to, uh, to your ears, all of you listeners out there. I did well, actually, Brent, mm -hmm. I wanted to share, a, a couple people told me, christmas movies that they liked that, that weren't on oh. the weren't on our list uh -huh. um, a couple of them i need to check out um one of someone told me i need to watch while you were sleeping um that's uh -huh. one, of her, one of my friends told me that um so that's on my list um as well so um okay so if anybody anybody has other recommendations we'd love to hear them yeah absolutely um let us know what what movies you like and if you want us to do a review on on something or um, you know, we're, we're all ears. And so, um, I, I have seen while you were sleeping, that's a really good one. And, uh, it's got one of your favorite actresses in there. I think on the last episode you were talking about, uh, if, if there was an actress that you could be, it would, it would have been Sandra Bullock. Is that right? I love Sandra Bullock. So much. <laughs> and, and she's actually, she's actually in that movie. Um, cool. so yeah, um, you definitely got to see that. I do have to ask because I remember on the last episode, you said that, um, I talked you into walk watching, uh, gremlins. Did you ever get around to watching gremlins? I haven't yet, but oh, there's a lot okay. of December, there's a lot of December left. Before, there before it is. Christmas, so That's right. I That's will. Right. <laughs> okay. All I'm right. looking for, and actually another person recommended it to me. They was like, yeah, you really got a secret. <laughs> You've I was like, I will, it. I will. Right, right. Well, I'm anxious <laughs> to hear. I'm anxious to hear when you do. Um, well, good. Well, um, moving right along, um, what's the next film that we wanted to uh, recommend for all of our listeners out there? Wait, can I ask first what your karaoke go-to song is? I feel like the, I want to oh, know. Man. And I hope I don't think I'm the only one who wants to know. Oh, man. Um, well, so the, the one that we do, um, Madison and I, um we we sing shallow every time we go oh that's uh, awesome and, yeah 
and um, I will do, I'll do some kind of some oddball stuff as well. Um, I've got, uh, I've got a list of my go-to songs. Uh, one of, one of my go-to songs that I love to do is um, Bon Jovi's Wanted Dead or Alive. Mm. That's, that's one of my favorites. Another one that um, I like to do is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with this one. Have you ever heard of the song? Um, it's uh, it's called uh, "One Night in Bangkok." Mm-mm. No. Okay. Okay. So, like I say, I grew up in the '80s, and that's uh, it's one of my favorite songs from back then. Um, another one that I that I do is um, I, I'll do uh, Phil Collins in the air tonight, and let's see. Um, What's what did I do recently? Oh, I did uh, Guns N' Roses, Patience oh, cool. the other night. Yeah. So I try to do I, I did. Oh, yeah, there was um, I, one of my favorite movies of all time is uh, the Blues Brothers. And so um, I'll sing a lot of uh, songs from the Blues Brothers. Uh, I've uh, there's one called Rawhide. I've done that one. Mm-hmm. I've done um, there's one called Minnie the Moocher uh have you ever heard that one i have i've heard rawhide i've never heard that one okay um and let me think here so i could boy i'll just have to get the list out and maybe i can share that next time uh because i i don't have access to that list but i do have a go-to list uh and and i will uh i'll do a, a kind of a wide variety of things really especially if there's not now if there's a big crowd out there I'll do kind of my my top three, right? But if if it's kind of a small crowd like we did the last time, where mm-hmm. we had us regulars out there, um, I really kind of um, we were all reaching reaching deep into <laughs> some, some really cool karaoke songs, and uh, so it, it definitely is a lot of fun. In fact, um, my daughter Madison asked me tonight. She's like, "Are we doing karaoke tonight?" And so uh, we haven't we haven't done it in in a, in a couple of weeks, but um, I know how anxious she is to to get going again. And um, yeah. yeah, but but yeah, thanks for asking. That's 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 really close to my heart. It's a lot of fun to do with the awesome. girls, you know. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Well, well I'll I'll keep us moving with uh, number two. Number two movie um, is King Richard, which mm-hmm. is I will say the it's probably the ultimate girl dad movie. Um, so this is the story of Richard Williams raising his two daughters, well, several daughters, including the two daughters of Venus and Serena in Compton, California. Both he and his wife coach them in tennis, and Richard has a vision for them to go pro. So literally before these girls were born, he wrote a 78-page plan of how his daughters were going to achieve tennis greatness. And he's a tough coach. But he also has high expectations for them to do well in school and in life and, and be polite and kind and humble. And he desperately just wants them to get out of their bad neighborhood. Um, so there are these courts that they go to uh, as a family. There are always these gang members hanging around. We see and we see we literally see Richard get beat up a couple of times in front of his kids, which is really tough to watch. Uh, but he endures all of this because he has a vision for Venus and Serena to 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 be great. Um, and oh my goodness, his plan works. (laughs) Um, So the girls, they end up getting noticed for their tennis skills. He connects them with real tennis coaches. 
Um, and he even gets them, uh, gets to take his entire family to Florida uh, for the girls to train and, and become professionals. Um, eventually, um, Venus, the older one, she makes her, her name uh, for herself by playing uh, uh, the hottest player at the time, Vicario, um, and accepting, um, eventually accepting a lucrative contract with Reebok uh, for sponsorship. Um, and then Richard, the dad, he declares that Venus is the one opening the doors. Venus is the older one opening the doors for their family to the tennis world. But that Serena, the younger one, is going to achieve e even greater things in the world of tennis. And that's kind of how the movie ends. And then we know from real life that that's exactly what happens. <laughs> so it's just kind of this crazy, like it's a sports movie, but it's a biopic as well. Um, and super interesting to, to see that play out um, in on the movies. Um, but just make no mistake about it. This is a Will Smith show. It is, um, you know, most of the movie is, is of Will Smith. Um, he does it. He, he plays the part really, really well. There are some really intense scenes and, I think he he has a really good balance of he's mastering this sort of like putting forth, putting out like bravado and gumption um, and being over the top. But then un underneath it all, um, you know, holding a lot of pain and, and vulnerability just from his his previous experience and even his fears um, for for what what could happen um, to his kids. And and so Will Smith does a really great job of that. And I, I you know, there's been a lot of talk about you know, potentially him getting Oscar nominated for this role. And I think that that is um, very fair and probably likely to happen as well. Mm -hmm. um, I will. Oh, say, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Brent. Oh, no. Yeah. No, this 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 movie really um, it really hit home with me. Um, my dad uh, has always been a tennis player. And I remember growing up uh, watching him play in tennis and uh, and so to to have uh, <clears throat> King Richard uh, there have his have his plan for his daughters, the the 78 page blueprint for turning Venus and Serena into legends. Uh, it really is amazing, uh, you know, that he uh, does everything he can for them. And um, you're right. His personality and his character is not for everyone. Um, he has uh, what I believe is two keys to success, and that's patience and practice. And of course, the result of that is that the sisters have made millions and they've launched fashion brands and they speak multiple languages. And um, it really is, uh, uh, like you said, it's a, it's a daughter and, and daddy movie for sure, you know, um, and uh, so I think that's, you know, having three daughters myself and uh, um, with them having having dreams of uh, of singing and, um, uh, you know, it, it I don't have the the, the 78 page. <laughs> You're not making your daughters wake up at 4 a.m. to do right. their singing exercises. <laughs> right, right. But but I will I will, you know, if I'll have to. um show you a video of uh madison and i singing karaoke because i'm really encouraging her to to belt it out and what's so cool is is that some of the the audience there at the restaurants that we sing at they are cheering her on and um, one night they uh, they were asking for her autograph and and it's just <laughs> like they're they're just like oh my gosh how old is she and uh, so it's just it's really awesome to see your your daughters have 
um, a talent, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's what um, uh, King Richard um, saw in his daughters. And uh, he just, he did it in his own way. And there's a part in that movie that really just, wow, it totally shocked me. Um, you know, there's the part in there where um, Will Smith gets, uh, his character there gets, uh, gets beat up pretty bad. And then he, um, he has a plan in action to go and get revenge on uh, these, these guys, you know. And then something happens really quick that just, wow, it just shock. It will make you jump out of your seat. Yeah. Um, it just really, it really, it really totally shocked me <laughs> Yeah, how fast something can happen. Um, and, um, but yeah, um, just an amazing film. Um, some quick fun facts about Will Smith. Um, he actually met his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, when she tried out for the role of his girlfriend on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, back in 1990. Now, she didn't actually get the part. The role eventually went to Nia Long. But another thing about Will Smith, did you know that he, he speaks fluent Spanish? I did not know that. Yeah. And he also gained a place in the Guinness World uh, Records book for most public appearances in 12 hours <laughs> by attending three red carpet premieres uh, for Hitch. This was back in 2005. Um he, uh, he actually walked the red carpet and introduced the film at Manchester, Birmingham, and finally for the premiere in London, England. Um, he's since been, uh, uh, someone has, has taken that uh, world record from him, though. Uh, but what a cool fun fact. And then um, also uh, another cool fact about him is that he stated that in his whole career, he most regrets turning down the part of Neo in The Matrix uh, back in 1999. And of course, the film that he most regrets making was Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> and he was actually considered for the role of Mr. Smith in Mr. and Mrs. Smith in 2005 before Brad Pitt was cast. He also mm -hmm. holds the record for the most Kids' Choice Awards with six wins and he is the second highest ranked actor behind only Tom Cruise. And in 2007, he ranked number five on Entertainment Weekly's The Smartest, The 50 Smartest People in Hollywood. He was also a millionaire before the age of 20. He was the first guest on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon, um, one of your SNL alums. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> he's also solved Rubik's Cubes in both The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and The Pursuit of Happiness. And this is actually a real talent of his. Um, he's shown on live TV that he can solve the Rubik's Cube in under 55 seconds. And something else that's really cool about him, when he was young, he made a private and unofficial deal with his dad. And um, that, his, that his dad would support his music career for one year. And if it didn't work out the way that his dad and Will wanted it to, Will would have had to go back to college. Um, he was also considered for the role of Trey Styles in Boys in the Hood, and uh, he actually turned it down due to his commitment uh, with the uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So a lot of uh, a lot of cool things about Will Smith um, and uh, a great, a great movie. Well, uh, 
All right, I I do love Will Smith, and uh-huh. you know he's 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 wonderful, and he is wonderful in this movie. But I just I can't move on without sharing the obvious criticism and irony here that this is a this is like a biopic about Venus and Serena Williams, but mm-hmm. it's not really but it's not really a biopic about them. It's about their dad, and I don't know. I feel kind of. I don't know. I feel a little uncomfortable with that. Um, like it's, it's about them and their, you know, his, his, I guess his story and his achievements wouldn't exist without their story and their achievements. So something about that is, is just like a little bit odd to me, but on the other hand, Venus and Serena also are executive producers of this movie. So <laughs> the way, the way I've kind of made peace with that is that they must, in real life they must really appreciate and love their dad and so this film is like it's uh probably a way just of demonstrating um honor and appreciation to him so that's kind of how i've reconciled the the irony there but it did i was like are they really making a movie about them that's not about them (laughs) right right yeah Yeah. it is it is uh, a, a topic of controversy for sure um you know and i think that uh, what's so great about movies is that you can um, you can have a movie like that that can really appeal to um, people's emotions, you know, based on um, things that have happened in their lives. Um, you know, if you um, say, for example, you have somebody that um, may have not had a, a father figure in their life, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and they always wanted to have that father figure. And they tried and tried and tried to um, uh, to rekindle the relationship with their with their father, you know. And so um, it um, it really can touch on the emotional side of things uh, because you're right. Um, uh, King Richard does do things in a different way. Um, but from my perspective, I, I looked at it as he really loved his daughters and he really wanted uh, great success for them. And I think that there is a great example shown in the film where um, I think it was, uh, let's see if I, if I can remember correctly, um, there was an example where uh, one of the daughters had won um, tennis match after tennis match after tennis match. And then um, at this particular event, the, the parents were trying to get their daughter to, to cheat. Or the parents might have shown uh, how disappointed they were in, in, their, in their daughter mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in their performance in the tennis match. And that can have such a traumatic impact on uh, a child if you know if if the child is doing something that um they they want to be appreciated and they want to be recognized for their great accomplishment and if the parent is uh disappointed in what um the child did it can really have the opposite effect on on that child and it can really leave a a huge scar uh, for them. So Mm -hmm. I think that, um, 
in the, you know, in this particular example, uh, in this film, there's also um, uh, an area there where a neighbor reports that maybe the children are not being treated right. Mm -hmm. And the police come to the house and, um, you know, Will Smith's character is, is illustrating to the, uh, the authorities there that they do live in a, in a, in a rough neighborhood and they do have to be strict on their children and they do have to have rules in place, um, to, to help them be able to, um, to survive the environment that they're in. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's important to realize that even though it can be interpreted, um, in a different way that he is, um, uh, this, this king that, uh, is trying to, to, uh, take the recognition. I think ultimately, if you dig deep in his character, you'll find that really what it's all about is his love for his daughters mm -hmm. and how he wants them to have this great accomplishment, you know? Yeah. But, you know, that being said, that's, what's great about these movies is that you can interpret them in different ways based on, um, your experiences, and and everyone else's uh, experiences, and that's what's so so great about movies is, and I think you've said this before in our previous episode is that it allows us to escape from what we deal with on a regular basis, and it allows just like this podcast allows for us to have that creative outlet that yeah. that we uh, enjoy so much, um, and uh, so this is just a way that we're able to share. Um, what movies do for us and hopefully what these uh, these movies will do for all of our listeners as well. So, um, well, Absolutely. with that being said, I think we have uh, we, we both agree on our uh, number one choice <laughs> here, I believe. We right? both agree on number one. And uh -huh. actually, when I think you suggested it first. And when I saw it, I was like, OK. I <laughs> no further discussion needed. Right. Um, so we can, let's dive in here. I can't wait to talk about it. The number okay. one movie per Tori and Brent for 2021 so far is Cruella. Cruella. <laughs> Cruella. Cruella mm -hmm. is the origin story that I have been waiting for my entire life. Um, this is the story of Cruella DeVille and how she came to be the evil villain that we all know and fear from 101 Dalmatians. So in this movie, we start right from the very beginning where the child, um, Estella, which is her real name, she's living with her single mom in the countryside. And she's an artistic and creative child that she, you know, she just has a little bit of trouble controlling herself and falling in line. Um, and when she gets into these bad spells of kind of being disobedient or too domineering or where she just can't contain herself, her mother uh, calls her Cruella as a joke. Um, but her mother is always supportive and she always reminds Estella who she really is. And in order for her daughter to be free to express herself and to eventually reach her full potential, Estella's mom decides to move her from the countryside into London. But literally along the way, her mother dies. Um, I won't say too much about how it happens, except that Dalmatians are involved. And <laughs> as you can imagine, that uh, really seems to do a number on her. Um, so like most Disney leads, Cruella um, is an orphan. 
she makes her way to London on her own and she instantly makes friends with two other uh, homeless boys named Horace and Jasper. The three of them form a little family unit and they grow up uh, surviving by pickpocketing and stealing from the people in London. Estella continues her creative expression, designing clothes and eventually landing a job with a major fashion designer. There's more that's revealed about Estella's true family history. So when she's trying to make her, while she's trying to make a name for herself on the London fashion scene, she's also trying to reconcile this new information about who she is, what's happened to her, and then take revenge kind of as she sees fit. Um, and we see this tension along the way of our hero and how she has this internal struggle with whether to be Estella, the, the good girl, or to give into this uh, personality of Cruella who can be ruthless um, in the pursuit of getting what she wants. And well, you know, the movie is, is titled Cruella, so you can guess who wins. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just have to say um, the stakes were really high for me for this movie. Um, 101 Dalmatians is my favorite Disney cartoon um, as a child. Emma Stone is one of my favorite actresses. Glenn Close did such a great job of playing this character um, in 1996 in that version. Um, and I feel like high expectations can often be a recipe for disappointment. But um, I, I thought this movie was absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's fun. There are really great jokes. Um, there's a running joke that Horace has throughout basically the entire movie and you have to wait until almost the end for the punchline. And it is just, it's so perfect. <laughs> um, um, the, the soundtrack is amazing. There's a seventies like pop and, uh, pop and rock throughout the movie that just makes it really fun and upbeat and high energy. And it's just pretty to look at. Um, they're in this high fashion world. They're in London. They're in the English countryside. They go to a bunch of fancy parties and the the theme of like the black and white and red is is there a lot. And so just visually, um, it's it's um, it's very good to look at. And also just want to commend uh, Emma Stone. Her English accent is dynamite. Like <laughs> it's very, it's very impressive. Probably from uh, dating Andrew Garfield for so long. But um, right. Very, very good accent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this this movie, I remember um, I uh, <clears throat> I think I, I this was this was a film that we actually we watched um, in the den uh, one night. And I want to say we paid 30 bucks for it. Right. To, yeah. to watch it right there on the TV. And it was so worth it. I mean, you're right. The music, uh, the 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 70s. I mean, the the characters the uh jasper and horace and and the uh all of the crazy mischievous things that they're doing um it's just it's such an amazing movie and it's so much fun for the family um just such such a great family movie i know there's been some controversy on uh if if this is appropriate for kids you know uh <laughs> this is this is one of those films that um we're coming back to our PG 13 uh, conversation oh, yeah. with, with this particular film. But, but I think that, you know, if, if I think a lot of folks out there, if you look online, people are asking, well, is it appropriate for, uh, you know, an eight or nine year old uh, child to, to see it. And I think that as long as the, the parents are there to, to watch the film uh, with them, I think you can really um, kind of explain 
um, uh, some of the things that you encounter. Uh, but I, I, I just think it's just such a great family movie. It's one of those that you want to, if you're watching it at the house, you want to get the homemade popcorn. You want to get the butter on it and the caramel <laughs> and the chocolate. And you want to get your favorite drink and, and just kick back in your favorite easy chair and, and just um, enjoy this, this amazing movie. Uh, you know, I was thinking about um, her character in this movie and how she uh, it's it, it was interesting because, you know, as as uh, as life insurance agents, uh, we would have a hard time selling term life insurance to her, you know, because she is uh, she is prone to psychotic fits. Uh, she may also be bipolar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's had a, she's had a tough life, right? Yeah. Um, she's reckless and impulsive. Um, she's got some anger management issues. Uh, but, uh, but man, I mean, what an amazing, what an amazing movie. Uh, and, and you're right. Emma Stone, boy, just to, just to find out some of the fun facts about her you know, I'm sure you know this because this is one of your favorite actresses, but she actually convinced her parents to let her move to Hollywood when she was 15 years old by making a PowerPoint presentation and it was titled Project Hollywood. You know, uh, oh, she was also, <clears throat> yeah, she was I also made a PowerPoint presentation for my parents to have another child and it did not not successful <laughs> really yes to have another child i really wanted a sister and they were like sorry <laughs> really okay and so you said earlier so you have brothers you have what two brothers or two what brothers two brothers okay all right and why did you want a sister um i i just always heard people i just always heard people's beautiful look at venus and serena how close they were i want <laughs> um i just um I, I envied people, the relationship that sisters had with one another. Okay. Well, I, um, I grew up as an only child, but then my, my parents uh, got divorced and then my, uh, my dad got remarried. And so I have uh, a brother and two sisters, but I was so much older than them. I mean, I was nine, 11 and 13 years older mm -hmm. than my brother and sisters. So there wasn't much of a bond there, you know, yeah. and, uh, and that's, that's, uh, unfortunate, you know, um, well now what about, did you have a, um, like a, a friend that, that grew up in the neighborhood that could, was almost like your sister? Yeah. I, yeah, I have a couple of close, uh, female friends that, yeah, uh, I, I, I got, a, they're on the level now, so I, it all worked out. Still, still friends to this day. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. You know, um, some of the people that I, that I grew up with, it's, it's sad when you, when you get older and you, you know, if you move to a new town and you're away from, uh, those, those kids that you grew up with that how those, uh, those relationships, you know, the people I've got one friend in particular that, uh, he, uh, he got married and now he has seven children. <laughs> and so it's, it's hard to find time to, to hang out yeah. with him, you know, and if I'm in town, uh, where he lives, uh, we might be able to meet up for a cup of coffee somewhere, but it's like, there's just hardly any time to, you yeah. know, you might get 15 minutes, you know, but you just got all these great movies or memories of, uh, you know, hanging out and stuff like that. 
Well, I, um, so one of the people that is like a sister to me is one of one of my cousins, and she she has two kids. They're eight and ten. And I was really excited to watch. I watched Cruella in theaters, but then I wanted to watch it with them too. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was just so like jacked. And they came in for out of, from out of town. They were visiting, and I was like, "You guys, we're gonna watch Cruella together, and it's gonna be amazing and wonderful." Or not Cruella, sorry, 101 Dalmatians. I wanted uh-huh. to watch 101 Dalmatians with them. And I was like, "It's gonna be wonderful." We got pulled it up on Disney Plus, and. I had been looking forward to this for months and they're like, what is this? <laughs> like, what is this <laughs> they're like, it's not in 3d. What is it? <laughs> they're like, they were like not having it. They were not interested. And, um, and so the, like, well, the boy, he's on the iPad, the girl's over in the corner, like drawing. And I'm just watching 101 Dalmatians, like sitting on the couch, sad. And, <laughs> and, and then like 10 minutes, like 10 minutes go by. And I'm watching the movie and both of them are just like within the first 10 minutes, like fully captivated by the movie and that opening scene where the dog, like the dogs walk by with their owners where they look the same. And they just thought that was hilarious because it is. (laughs) And it made me so happy. And, um, and so, yeah, that was very uh, rewarding and, and gratifying for me to be like, yeah, you guys know, you know, now who the 101 Dalmatians, you know, who Cruella is and, Right. Um, yeah, it was that was a very awesome experience for me. That's what it's all about, you know. It's yeah. um, getting together <clears throat> with with friends and family and nieces and nephews and cousins yeah. and and uh, spending time together, whether it be watching Christmas movies or watching top movies of 2021 or or whatever, you know, whatever movies are out there. But it's but, just such a mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I. But I, I think the like even watching 101 Dalmatians and how good it is and how like Cruella is so evil of a character. Like mm-hmm. she is. She's a puppy killer. Like that is evil. She's evil. And yeah. like coming into the Cruella the movie, I was like, how are they going to drum up sympathy with people for this person who we know be- like she becomes so evil? And I think that the and it's. I just think that the storytelling and the way they do it um, is very well done. Um, Cause I just kept out throughout the movie, um, you know, we see her growing up and you identify with her and she's got flaws, but she's still so lovable. Um, and, and I'm just, I'm watching the movie and I'm like, how is that? How is she going to turn into a puppy killer? I don't understand. <laughs> and there, but the, and like the whole time, like she, you know, she goes down these road, this road and bad things happen to her and, you know, she does some bad things too, but there's always this thread that like, like that's holding her on, um, like holding, like connecting her to like goodness and what's right. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, she's, that's holding her on. She's never going to, how is she going to turn? And then just so dramatically they, they pull it away. Like when her, when her mom dies, like they pull that away and, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, there it is everything's lost <laughs> right right so and i just thought that the way that they they told that story of her like getting deeper and deeper in but still being anchored like to to goodness like through her mom and through her who her mom told her she was and then pulling that away i thought that was a oh, phenomenal storytelling and mm-hmm. um and yeah i was yeah i was just in awe of the way they they laid laid that out like that 
Oh yeah. And there's, there's some, just amazing, amazing scenes in there. Like the, um, I don't want to give it away for those that haven't seen it, but there's this one particular scene that involves a garbage truck and it's just like, Oh my gosh, it just blows you away. Right. And then, then there's another scene that, um, uh, just something that uh, the the creativity uh, that she has and the ability to uh, turn these outfits into something that um, can actually save her life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's absolutely phenomenal, you know? And um, so, I, I, you know, this is just one of my favorite movies. It's just, it's got got family written all over it, you know? fun times. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, Emma Stone is just such an amazing actress. And have you seen now she actually did a, um, and if you haven't seen this, oh my gosh, the, um, have you seen the, uh, you know how Jimmy Fallon has, uh, uh, folks that come on there and do the, um, the sing offs. Yeah. Oh my gosh, did you see their competition? The two yeah. of them. Oh my gosh, man. It will blow <laughs> Jimmy Fallon you and Emma away. Stone. Yes. Hmm. It will blow you away. All right. I'll have to it Google it. It will blow you away. Um and and so I always she, forget that she can sing. Oh my gosh. She's in La La Land. I love that movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, I'm just telling you, you've got to look it up. I mean, I can't believe you haven't seen this because <laughs> it just blows my mind how she's what she does when she's singing there against Jimmy Fallon is really cool. And um, but what was what was so cool about her is that, um, you know, she she has that low pitched husky voice. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is a result of having baby colic. Did you know that? I did uh, not. The condition I wonder, of, if, uh, I wonder if Aquafina had that. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> she did. We'll have to check it out. Um, but you know, of course, um, the uh, when I when I looked this up, uh, baby colic, of course, the condition of chronic crying as an infant, and it lasted six months, and it resulted in the development of nodules. And, and what's so interesting about that is that's another thing that comes across in our, in our, uh, (laughs) business. We talk about nodules a lot, right? (laughs) Our poor parents. No wonder they were like, go to California and get out of Uh here. (laughs) Yeah. And so she Uh, has, she has calluses on her vocal cords. Did you know that? No. And, and, um, so she was actually um, another fun fact is that she was considered for the lead female role in 21 Jump Street in 2012, but she had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts with the amazing Spider-Man. And one of her dreams was to appear on Saturday Night Live, which she did achieve in 2010, again in 2011 and in 2016. And she also has matching bird tattoos with her mother. And the birds are referring to the Beatles song, Blackbird. And believe it or not, Sir Paul McCartney drew the birds himself. Wow. Yeah. And she's also, as I'm sure you know, she's one of 27 actresses to have received an Academy Award nomination for their performance 
in a musical. And of course, hers is in your favorite movie, right? One of your favorites, right? Yeah. La La Land. La La Land. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we've done a great job, um, you know, sharing with our listeners here uh, the top five movies that uh, are in existence in 2021, at least so far this year. We've still got some of the year left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so, too. I feel I feel good about this list. There's not a movie. Yeah. I'll, not a movie on here I wouldn't recommend to someone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What the... Well, are you is there any movie that you're looking forward to seeing soon like any any movie that you're itching to see in the theater or anything man you know what um i had um i had a really good suggestion today um and i i wasn't even aware of this movie and i'm i'm so excited that um one of our uh co-workers told told me about it today and um yeah i'm gonna have to um hang on just a second um and uh, if I can find it here, just a second. Um, oh my gosh, there's so much information here. Okay. Um, da, 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 keep everybody in suspense. Okay, <laughs> it's called the um, it's called French Dispatch, the next Wes hmm. Anderson. And uh, one of our is in that one too. Yeah, and so we need to give a shout out to. Um, one of our uh, co-workers, JJ. And uh, yeah, so he, uh, he said Shout out that, to JJ. Uh, yeah, he is a, um, he told, uh, he told me today that he's a fan of pitching popcorn. I didn't know that. And so I'm so excited that he is uh, a fan of our podcast. And right he on. said that, um, he said that he saw House of Gucci last week. And he was wondering if it was going to be in our, in our top five. And uh, I had to say that it, it was in there for a hot minute, but we had uh, <laughs> we had to we, we found another one to fill its spot. Yeah. And uh, so he uh, he said that he was looking forward to checking out our top five. Very so, cool. yeah, very awesome. It's it's great to have such um, such an amazing uh, group of uh, co-workers that support what we're doing with mm-hmm. this podcast because I know they're into podcasts as well, yeah. you know, and uh, it's so cool that, uh, that we're able to share that with them. And uh, so I think we really, we're really onto something pretty awesome here, Tori. I think so too. Yeah. Well, the movie I'm hoping to see next also came from a workplace recommendation from our boss, John Kirsch. Uh, ah. um, I might have to bleep out his last name. Um, but he's been talking to me about Belfast, which I desperately, yeah. desperately want to see. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not it's not playing in my my little hometown. So I have to okay. make a trip of it. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to talk about that someday soon on the podcast. Right. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, again, I want to thank all of our listeners out there um, for their support and getting the word out about pitching popcorn. Um, because this is, uh, we're only into our official second episode here and, uh, we want this to be, uh, just, uh, an amazing thing for all of you listeners out there. And, uh, you know, we want it to be as special to you guys as it is to us. And we just thank you guys for listening and, um, supporting our, our podcast here. And I want to thank you, Tori, because you have done a super fantastic job of, uh, describing these movies 
you always do a great job at that. And uh, that's one area that I am going to try harder to uh, to be just as good as you in that particular category. Um, I might I might can help on the uh, creative side of things, but man, you are man, you've really got it down to a science. And uh, so it's uh, it's really a lot of fun doing this podcast with you. And I uh, just want to thank you for putting your time into it and uh, making it so special for everybody out there. Um, you know, I, 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 I appreciate all your hard work too, Brent. I, I, oh, I, feel, cool. I feel great about, I feel great about episode two. Yeah. I'm looking forward to episode three. Me too. What uh, do you want to tell the people what it's going to be about? Okay. Now um, you put me on the or, spot. Or do you want me to tell you them? You put me on the spot. <laughs> I've got to find, I've got to find, I've got to quickly, I've got to be like back into, into our job mode and be really quick at, um, at, got to figure out what we're doing next. Okay. So our episode three is going to be Brent and Tori's most underrated movies of 2021. And we're going to do that. We're going to do that podcast on December 15th. And as they say in the old Batman TV shows, same bat time, same bat channel, right? Well, actually, <laughs> we're going to be providing it a day early. It's going to be a day early because uh, normally we do it uh, on Thursday nights, but that's December 15th is going to be a Wednesday night. And uh, so far, oh, I saw that you, you added Belfast in there. Okay, yeah. good. So you've got that in there. And um, we have... Um, Let's see. Do we want to do we want to tell them some of the ones that we have in the list or have no, we no, finalized no, no. that? No, no, okay. no, no, Okay. So we're just going to. My list, only... my list is not final yet. Okay. Your list is not final, but we do have some, uh, we do have some good ones on there unless those change between now and then. Right. Which they might, you know, we're always trying to tweak things at the last minute. Want to pick <laughs> the, best, the best out there. So we don't have them in any particular order yet. They're, uh, um, and what's really cool about this is that uh, some of these, at least for me, um, I've got some work to do because these I haven't seen these yet. Mm-hmm. Right. And why haven't we seen them? Because they're the most underrated movies of 2021. That's why we haven't seen them. Right. <laughs> so we've got to do a lot of research on that. So stay tuned until we come back next time on December 15th with the episode three of Brent and Tory's most underrated movies of 2021. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. And thank you again, Tori. It's been fun. Really enjoyed it. Can't wait to do it again. Um, Anything else we want to say to our listeners out there? Thanks to everyone near and far for tuning in. (laughs) It's fun to do this with you all. It is. All right. Everybody have a good night. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pitchin' Popcorn with Brent and Tori. We'll see you next time.